Kate Rice here, Monroe County Matters. Today I'm talking to Bill Hafman, Monroe County Agriculture Agent with the UW-Madison Extension. 2020 was looking like a really good year for Monroe County farmers. We were starting to see support for dairy products. We were starting to see the um, prices start to move up into good levels for the farmers. The, the forecast for all the prices were looking positive for 2020 compared to what they had been the years before. And so it was, you know, it, there was it was, it was uh, set up to be a very, potentially be a very good year for the dairy farmers, and they'd been a number of years since they had a good year. So it was, you know, there was some some pretty good optimism. Yeah, well, of course we know how how that worked out. Then Bill described how COVID nineteen has impacted the way we buy food and how that reverberates all the way down through the supply chain. So then when uh, the the pandemic hit. And we saw major shutdowns and things like that. We saw people's uh, buying habits significantly change. And our research had shown that people were eating out or getting carry out for half or a little better than half, somewhere in that neighborhood, of their food prior to that. And then when restaurants and everything's had to close uh, or were limited to carry out, then, um, then everybody you know, was primarily going to the grocery store for their food for the most part. And we know that, you know, the way that the, the products that people buy when they get carry out or, excuse me, go to the, and or go to the restaurants are different than the things they buy at home. The portions, the way they're packaged, uh, and, and even the cuts of meat. You buy one thing when you go out to eat and you buy something different when you're making it at home. You know, at home, we're looking more at the hamburger and chuck roast when we're going out to eat. People are looking at more of the higher value steaks and things like that. And so that all changed. Um, the, you know, the way that the food is delivered to the food service industry is packaged very differently in much bigger quantities, much bigger portions would be very difficult for people to be able to utilize them at home. And the way most of the processors have been set up in order to keep the cost of getting the food, um, to the retail places, whether it's the grocery store or the restaurants is very different. And it's, it's not as simple as just flipping a switch or something like that to be able to do it. And same with, uh, you know, in dairy in particular, you know, some plants are set up to make cheese and that's what they do, especially here in Wisconsin. And they are not set up to be able to bottle milk to get the fluid milk to the grocery stores. And so we, we didn't have a, we didn't have a food shortage problem. We had a food distribution problem is what we encountered with the pandemic. And that the, the, the food was there, the raw products were there, but being able to get them that quick change where we went from half and half to, you know, 80, 90 plus percent grocery store was, uh, that was the bottleneck. And, um, and it's very expensive for food plants to have the various different lines. And so if you're going to have those different production lines, you have to be running them in order to make money and keep those costs down. So, you know, there's all these things that we learned and how and you know, what we learn and what hopefully will be implemented you know following this to be able to better adapt if it happens again you know i don't know but that's some of the things of the lessons that were learned that need to be uh, hopefully looked at and, and figure out plan plans and a lot of that equipment in food processing is not something it's not as simple as like when we go buy a new car we go down to the lot and they have an assortment of cars there a lot of that food processing equipment if you know you're going to uh, change your plant you'll put your plan together 
then you order this equipment and it might be one to two years uh, for the manufacturer to make that for you because it's very specialized equipment. So it's, you know, we learned a lot about the food processing industry that a lot of us that aren't necessarily involved in a day-to-day wouldn't always necessarily think of. But the point you make about distribution is so key. Nobody thinks about distribution and it's, it's what makes or breaks everything. I mean, now stuff's starting to open up. Is that having any impact on Monroe County farmers? And so during this time when we had all these distribution prices, uh, dis- excuse me, distribution problems, we saw a lot of commodity prices get very low, in part because some of the processing plants and the meatpacking plants were shut down due to employees having COVID and a variety of other things. And um, so that was one of the challenges and prices were low. And sometimes during that time, you know, that there wasn't even anybody willing to buy some of the fed cattle or things like that because they just couldn't do anything with them. It's not that they wanted to be in that situation. It was where they ended up, you know, but now we're seeing the improvements, milk prices looking pretty good again, at, at least at this point in time and livestock prices are, are looking better. Well, that's actually something anyway. We still have a backlog of, of, of animals that uh, need to get worked through the packing plants uh, to kind of get caught back up with the, with the flow of things, and that's going to take a while. Are there, is there any kind of aid that can help farmers right now? I think you mentioned there was some bill that was in the works when we talked earlier. Right. There's a couple of different things, and some of those programs are the 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 USDA disaster programs that are built into the farm bill and depending on which format the farmer signed up to be that when, when certain price triggers more yield or net revenue triggers are, are met um, for the county average and things like that, it, it automatically triggers payments for some of the programs. Now there was a new program that was released recently by USDA for uh, a uh, coronavirus disaster type payment. And that time farmers are working with their FSA offices to turn in the records that they need to show them in order to calculate the uh, payments that they will receive for that. FSA is the Farm Service Agency, part of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. In addition to that, there is a state aid program for farmers that uh, the Department of Revenue is um, in charge of, and that one will start the 15th of June, sign up for that. It goes for two weeks, sign up goes for two weeks. And then, um, but the farmers need to, that's all done with Department of Revenue. That one is the state one. The federal one is done with the Farm Service Agency. So they need to work with the appropriate agencies to um, to apply for those. And and how do they know that these programs are available to So them? the media and the, the news the agencies that administer the programs have gotten news releases out. The FSA office generally has uh, email addresses for most all of their farmer customers, and they would have received emails and different other communications from those agencies that administer the programs um, okay. to be made aware of that. So basically, in the past, you know, pre-COVID, if you were in an agricultural, depending on what you had signed up for as a farmer, either an agricultural subsidy program or a disaster relief program, basically that automatically kicks in once products hit a certain price. Well, historically they didn't. Oh, yeah, to uh, sign up. If we go back far enough, if we go back far enough, 
a lot of the disaster payments through FSA were ad hoc. So, you know, it'd have to be a situation that some of the elected officials in Washington would bring to, to the Senate and the house and they would have to agree to do something. But, uh, there was a couple of farm bills ago. They, um, what they did was, um, they built these mechanisms into the regular farm bill and, you know, and they're a disaster payment. They're not going to fill in the entire loss and things like that. It's, um, typically it's a, something that could help try to get through. Um, so. Okay. And then what's, what's the difference between farm subsidies and disaster relief? Well, it depends on who you ask in their interpretation of the definitions. I think more than anything, um, you know, some people would say any kind of assistance is a subsidy and other people oh, would say subsidy okay. would be something that's more guaranteed. Um, and there were some guaranteed payments for a while in some of the programs, but those have been gone for a okay. while. So when we have good years, there is no, you know, disaster triggers that come into play. Um, and farmers, you know, we do not encourage farmers to rely solely on those as their risk management by any means. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, farmers are strongly encouraged to, um, to um, look at crop insurance and then some of the other uh, risk management tools that are mm-hmm. out there to mm-hmm. uh, to be a, a bigger part of their risk management program. So disaster relief would be there's floods, there's late freeze early, there's freeze freezes, there's tornadoes, there's hailstorms, and subsidy would be more um, protecting you from the vagaries of the markets, just for whatever reason, soybeans don't go because there's a fight with China or something. Well, some of those, you know, we, at one point in time, there was guaranteed payments per acre for certain crops and they had a formula and they calculated those and those are gone. Oh, now. okay. You know, so if we have a decent year, there will be no right payments. Yeah. And that's, you know, most of the farmers, that's what they want. They want things to be able to function on their own. Um, mm-hmm. So some of these, some of these disasters, there still may, you know, flooding and things mm-hmm. like that. A lot of times what they start with is uh, emergency loans. And those, of course, have to be paid back. But it's a, you know, it's something that can assist with uh-huh. getting some repairs done and things like that. Okay. Um, drought, things like that. Sometimes there's some additional kinds of things. And some of those still may be ad hoc. In other words, they're not necessarily built in. The... Right now, the, the, the programs that they have are more tied to uh, price and or uh, revenue. Uh, kind of an average revenue for the county that they use some market year crop prices and uh, some uh, county average yield reports and things like that to do the calculations on whether it triggers any payments or not. Okay. And the county average year yield, that's like what people are getting paid or what they're producing, like the physical crop? Uh, yield would be, that would be their average production for the county. Okay. Whether it be milk yeah. or corn or soybeans or whatever. Uh, most of these are crops. Mostly the crops. The dairy program, yeah, the dairy does have a a program that's um, that's looking at um, the margin oh. between uh, milk price and feed price. Okay. And so. Yeah. And that's calculated, you know, based on some average numbers. It's not for the individual farm, but they can sign up for that as a yeah as a potential tool for risk management. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, but so what? But what we're looking at now for COVID nineteen is there's two. There's the federal program where they work with the FSA, and then there's the state program where they work with uh, the Department of Revenue. And but the right. The, no. Go ahead. Those are ad hoc programs. I mean, there, there was no safety net in place that triggered those. Those were voted on by the, you know, the elected officials to implement those. So overall, it's kind of looking like stuff's maybe getting a little brighter. Yes. Or at least less dark. Right. It, you know, it's going to take a, well, everything in, you know, everything right now is, is, um, taking a while to recover you know it's not just the farmers it's the small businesses on main street and all those kinds of things that need time to recover um and hopefully they all do but you know i think we'd be um, dishonest with ourselves if we say that some of them may not be able to continue on i hope it's very few you know don't wish that on anybody but reality is some of them may not unfortunately yeah. And just to explain your role, uh, what's your role vis-a-vis farmers in Monroe County? So I work with um, I'm the UW Extension Agriculture Agent in Monroe County, and I work with, um, I wear a lot of hats in this job, <laughs> but my main job is working with farmers in Monroe County to get them uh, unbiased research-based information to help them make informed decisions and uh, help them, you know, look at different ideas for their farms and things like that. Um, and we do a number of on-farm trials and we do a number of, well, historically we've done a lot of number of in-person workshops throughout the years. Right now we're still on uh, extremely limited ability to go out and work one-on-one with farmers, but we are talking with them on the telephone and emails and things like that to try to help them right. out while practicing um, Center for Disease Control Safety Protocols. Right. And like, but like today you said there was some crop thing you were, were working on in the morning. What was that? So I, I am a cooperator with um, Wisconsin Department of Agriculture's Insect Pest Monitoring Network. And I have mm-hmm. a black light trap that I set up and it's out in the, it's out near uh, Sparta, out in a remote location. And I go out and look in there once a week and count the insect pests and report them to that cap and that helps what it does is it helps farmers uh, across the state have a heads up on what insect crop insect pests are starting to show up and are there enough of them present that we need to start watching the crops to um, implement integrated pest management practices uh, to protect the crops Um, so it's helping them again make an informed decision on what's the risk of insect damage do we need to do something or insect numbers low enough that the cost to do anything would uh, not be recovered by uh, any uh, yield that might be saved so to speak right well bill thank this is great and i just want to thank you very much for your time and i'll probably be calling you again well i'm gonna put a little more half and half in my coffee this has been another by the seat of my pants production Theme music by Peter Danilovitz.